can just surrender our hearts. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are touching each person here, watching online, Lord, connected, as we just look to you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Have your way in our midst this morning, Father, as always, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, y'all. Welcome to... uh, Welcome to Lake Haven this morning. It's a, a Labor Day weekend, you know, and of course, this is the technical, isn't it supposed to be officially, well, not officially, but is it supposed to be fall, September? You know what that means in Florida, right? Nothing, Nothing right. <laughs> fall doesn't mean it. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's great to have you with us. I know there's a bunch of people out this weekend, and that's great. I'm so I'm happy for you all. If you are traveling, if you're watching online, that's awesome. If you're at home and you're staying safe or whatever your situation is, uh, thank you for connecting with us. Our hearts go out to you. Remember, we're here always for you. Um, you can always reach us. Uh, we have, we'll phone you. We want to we connect you with you in any possible way that we can. Um, um, but if you are traveling this weekend, Karen is away. My wife is away this weekend, and she's getting some, some, uh, some well-needed break. My wife is an awesome person, as many of you know, and uh, I know that she's having some, some good time out, and, and that's really overdue for her. So I'm, I'm really so pray with me for her, though. She just really has a great time. So, but in any case, it's um, it's great to be with you this morning. This morning we're going to receive the offering. Um, and, uh, and I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for supporting Lake Haven. And thank you for giving to the kingdom cause. Thank you for always staying connected with, God, with what God has in store for you. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, we are constantly getting testimonies of people who are saying, you know what? I have trusted God in this area, trusted God in this time, and, you sh- and I'm seeing tremendous financial blessing. And that's, that's, that's so awesome to hear because there's a lot of other testimonies out that aren't that awesome. So, um, but connect your heart with your giving. Remember, you know, here at Lake Haven, we say it often, we do believe in the first fruits. We do believe in tithes and offerings and so forth. But you know, but, but you know what? That is not an amount, um, you know, two pennies can be all that you have. And if you connect your heart and your faith to that, I just want to encourage you to do that. You know, um, whether you give online, even if, especially maybe if you give online, connect your heart to your giving. You know, you may, you may give online, it may be the best way to connect it, but connect with that. Just say, when you, whenever you're going to press enter, or even if you're going to schedule it, connect your heart with your giving and say, not, it shouldn't be a sense of obligation. It's not a sense of obligation. God loves a cheerful giver, of course. Well, he loves all of us, but he loves it when we are able to connect cheerfully to what we are contributing to kingdom cause. Amen. And, and so I want to encourage you this morning. Um, we are, don't pass the buckets as we, we here in the, in the auditorium here, we have, we have boxes at the exits. And, and um, of course, if you give online, you can do that. And then, um, and then if you mail it, things, if you do paper and you, you, you mail it in, you know where to send it here. It's online, PO Box 840, Eustace, Florida. Um, I just want to pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we can share of our lives with you. Thank you, Lord, that, that money may just be money. Um, in so many ways, but we know what we can do with it. We thank you that it is multiplied as seed is for the sower, Lord, and bread for eating. Thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. We connect to that. Thank you that the kingdom is expanded because we give from our hearts willingly and cheerfully. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Um, This week, 
before I get into my um, message today, um, this, this week is, uh, we're kicking off our, our final semester, three-month semester of life groups. Um, T mentioned it in detail last, last week. If you weren't here last week online, we have um, a breakdown of all our life groups. And, and life groups are an integral part of Lake Haven. It's where we connect. It's where we grow. You know, we, each one of us are in a different point in our journey. Um, and, and we all know that. And sometimes our journey can be vast, vastly different. You may be in a place where you really need some connection. Sometimes we have some specialized groups. We have a focus on, on marriage groups. Um, we, if, you, if, you're, if you're working on your marriage or you want to just strengthen your marriage, we've got ma awesome marriage groups. Um, Hank does a Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. If you, you want to work on your finances and, and learn how to get wiser with your finances, it's a great opportunity to get involved with Hank. He's a, he's a great guy. He's got some insight into, into, into that and can really help you. Do you know that it's not just about what can God can get to you, but it's wise and how you spend it? Exactly. You know, some, if you've got nothing all the time, you may need to get a little wisdom in that area. Maybe there's some wisdom and, and, and exposing yourself to that is like learning how to put, you know, you see that all in the Bible. Remember Joseph, God gave him a prophecy and a vision about how, and he had wisdom on how to use that prophecy. God didn't say store up for seven years. God, the prophecy was there were going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of lean. That was the prophecy. It was the wisdom of Joseph that said, hey, how about this idea? Why don't you store up in the years of plenty? Great idea, right? Because in the years of lean, and that, that projected Egypt into a world power. When famine came, and famine comes occasionally, they were prepared because there was wisdom. There was a word of knowledge that had gone out or, or a word of wisdom that had gone out and was applied. So we can use these things in the word of God and we can do things. And, and you know, when it comes to marriage, all of us are working. If, if, you, if you have a perfect marriage, maybe you're a liar. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, um, but but we know that marriage is a is a is a vital is, a, is such an incredible institution that God has blessed us with and and um, but but you know what it's important sow into your marriage we believe in sowing into marriages and and there's great great groups to get, to invest in your marriage and we've got great resources for marriage every you know a, a friend of mine said a long time ago he said good marriages take work I mean bad and he says bad marriages take more work. You know, so it's just one of those things that, that you can bring back with God and you working on your marriage. It's amazing what he can, he can do for you. But we've got focus groups in all these. There's marriage and there's, there's also some interest-based group. I know Debbie met with singles and we've got book clubs and we've got, they've got all of these things. But it's important for us to connect. It's important for us to be on that journey um, where, where you are and that in your journey understand we are. Corin's doing a, is, is, is starting a course, and there's a lot of great courses. I know that um, uh, Norman and Linda and Stephen, uh, uh, Stephen and Elise and all of them have got phenomenal things. And then, of course, not to forget, but we also have Grounded Saturday night. You know, um, Keith, and, Keith and Sue do Grounded. He's a great, great Bible teacher. You want to invest in you. It's like a, it's kind of like a, not a Sunday school. It's kind of like a Saturday school. You can really get soaked in, and you can get good, good Bible knowledge. And Keith's been doing a, a, a Lord's laid on his heart, which I believe is in the body of Christ prayer. He's been dealing with, uh, with just different parts of prayer, and it's been awesome. And, 
And so I uh, just want to encourage you in that line. And of course, remember, don't forget Overflow 2. Overflow is our believers meeting where, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, lays out what a believers meeting, where there's body ministry, where people minister to one another. And, and, and it's incredible how edifying it can be when the body gets together and ministers from as they are. So that happens Wednesday night. We specifically set that up. It's a little bit more unstructured than a regular Sunday service. It's a lot more unstructured than a Sunday service and, and where you get to, to really listen to the Holy Spirit and, and share and, and, and encourage one another um, here at, at Overflow. So that's on, that's on Wednesday night. So that kicks off, um, well, Overflow and, and uh, is, happens all the time, but the rest are pre pretty much kicking off now this week. So enjoy that. That'll run through November. And then, of course, or maybe I should mention, but if you've not done a discipleship or group, or we call it discipleship, but really it's a connecting group where people get to, to, to hear an, a, about Lake Haven and, and, and what we are about and some of our, our sort of fundamental uh, parts of, a, of who we are. You can go to, to a, one semester of, of that. At, <clears throat> it's like how many sessions? Tw 10, 9 to 10 sessions, I think, T. 10 to 12 sessions, but it gives you a great, great uh, idea of what we're about, and, and, and you'll know that if this is the church for you, if you want to checking out, or you're just checking out churches, and you want to find out what we're about, I highly recommend that you go through um, a D group, and of course, Assimilate is just a relational group where, where you take me Sunday messages, and you pull it apart, and you, you eat, and you chew on it, really, so all of these parts are essential, like I said, our journey is a journey, none of us have arrived, None of us, none of us have arrived. You are where you are, but where you can grow from this is important. This is not just a Sunday deal, right? We don't show up on a Sunday and that's where the relationship with God ends. It's not, you don't, you don't check a box it's, and you've done your bit for, for God. No, this is, a, this is a beautiful relationship and that's where we want to help equip you. And, and we've got so many other resources we can point you to, other books we can point you, Bible school we can point you to. Um, so um, yeah, please connect with us that way. If you're feeling lonely, you needn't feel lonely. Reach out to us and, and we want to be there for you. So um, I'm, I'm starting a new series today that will run through September that I'm really excited about. Um, uh, this, this series God put on my heart some time ago. Um, you know that Corin and I have got a missions background and an outreach, and, and I worked with an evangelist for 10 years. I don't consider myself in any shape, form, or fashion a, a gifted evangelist in office of, oh, thank you, T. Much appreciated, sir. The, the, um, I, I don't consider myself as having the gift or position of an evangelist. As you know, we've, in, in Ephesians 4, there is a five-fold ministry, right, according to Ephesians 4, that God has given gifts to men, and these are the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and that these gifts are to bring us to maturity so we can do the work of the ministry. That's, it. That's an important part. These, these gifts, and as you know, we've had a prophet here last year, and, and we, we expose you to different five-fold ministry. In fact, in that letter, I just want to have a shout-out. Ron, I, I met Ron Gray. He's, um, Earl and Jill introduced us, and we, we were at, at Ron's meeting last night, and Ron's with us this morning. Ron, I know that you travel the world, so... Thank you for jo joining in with us this morning. Uh, Ron, Ron is, is a little bit homebound. Like, thank you. Now, let's give him a hand. Thank you very much. We, uh, uh, we, we, do, we do honor the gifts and we value gifts. That, uh, thing. And so thank you for from what it sounds like. You do tremendous work for the kingdom. And we're grateful for, for everything that you do all over the world. So thank you for being obedient to that call. 
you know, <clears throat> the fivefold ministry is such an incredible part that, 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 these, that these, these are gifts that God says he's given to us. They're gifts given to us. And even if we're part of the fivefold ministry, we still, <laughs> we still need those gifts. And, and like I said, we, we had Mary, and she's an incredible prophetess. Um, and, and, she, and, and many of you were here last year when she was here, and she, uh, I'm not going to go into the whole thing. But Nate Tanner is coming in two weeks' time. Now, now Nate, if he was here very briefly last year, um, he just popped in and said hi. But I've traveled with Nate a little, and um, he, him and I went to Myanmar, as it's called. It's in the peninsula between sort of China, borders on China and India. It's on the same peninsula with Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand. Um, it's, on, it's on sort of the western, sorry, the, yeah, the western side of that peninsula. And, and Nate and I went up there, and, and we ministered in that. Thing. And Nate, Nate has got a passion for the nations. He's married to Ruth, and, and they, uh, she's Brazilian by birth. And, and uh, they, they just get out and do the work of an evangelist. And, and what I want to, he, his passion, Nate's passion is to teach evangelism how, and, and to, to make it simple and easy. Because, you know, when you say the word evangelist, most Christians go into kind of a mild form of panic. Just maybe ever so. Some think, oh, yes, and others are like, that's not me. You know, their eyes go big and their mouth goes dry and they think, oh, I'm not an evangelist. But, but, but you see, but there is a call um, there is a call of an evangelist, and Nate's going to be coming here this, this, this month, and, and you're going to hear about the I workshop, and we'll, we'll give you some of these details. And, and uh, we've got a, a video from Nate here in a, in a little bit. But this, this series that I'm starting today, is, uh, and, and we're going to run around this, is called The Rallying Call. The Rallying Call. And, and, and when we as believers understand who and what we have been equipped to do and what our purpose is, it is amazing how much laser focus it changes in our day-to-day lives. You see, if you're a believer and you say, well, I really don't know what my life is all about, then pay up, pay, pay, pay attention, sit up and pay attention because, because there is a very definite purpose in the, in the life of a believer. You and I are called to very specific purpose. And when we understand, not that we're all evangelists, but when we understand what the call of the ministry is and what the call of the church is, it brings things into focus. By the end of the month, if you stay with us, I believe your life can take laser-sharp focus. Laser-sharp. So that you know exactly who you are and what you are called to do. No matter what your personal gift is. You see, you and I have got personal gifts. Amen. Amen. We all have our very unique part. Each joint supplies. You have a beautiful part to play, a very unique part to play. But your part does fit into the overall purpose of the kingdom of God. And when that, when that slots, it's like it, when that Lego piece or whatever you want to call it, that last puzzle piece sort of slots in, it clunks into place, it's like it puts a bounce in your step because you know who you are and what you're called to do. 
I was telling some of, some of my brothers here in, as we were praying before the service, you know, it seems like it is, if we don't clearly know what direction we're going, it feels like we can sort of be tossed by the waves, especially in times like this. Especially when things have sort of had the, we've had the rug pulled out from us as a nation. Our culture is in somewhat shock. We really don't know where the culture is going to settle. So it's, it's very important to keep our eyes sort of on the prize. What is the goal? What are we here? What is the church for? What are you here for? What am I here for? And when, we co when that coalesces into a very clear picture, then it's amazing you don't stress nearly as much. You're not going to live in fear, right? You know, I, I, I said that um, I don't mean this to, to be derogatory in any way, shape, form, or fashion or, or, or negative, but the American dream can be very misleading. And I, I am now an American citizen, and I love the fact that this nation is called, has been a, a nation of prosperity. I believe it still has a place in the world to send to people too. But the American dream is not the goal. You see, when, when you think that the American dream is the goal in life, then you're always comparing yourself to who's got the white picket fence or the, the house or the college or the kids have got the car or the Xbox or I don't care what it is. How much money or millionaire or what college, what Ivy League education, what, what, whatever you think the American dream is, people pursue it. But that is not the call of, of, of Jesus on the church. That is not the call to us as believers. Now, we can be blessed. I'm not against being blessed. We've, there were rich people in the, in the, in the New Testament. The, the, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy when you know what the kingdom call is. When you know where you fit inside the call of the kingdom, like I said, it brings that laser focus. Suddenly, you know, I know where I'm going to fit. I know where I can use my gifts in this call. Amen? Amen. So, um, as I said, let's, let's, get, let's get stuck into it a little bit. You know, um, uh, you know it, it's sad, though, that, that here in the church, a lot of people feel like the call is actually to join a church. This is not the call. The invitation of Jesus or of us has never been about joining the church. But we, the call should have always been an introduction and an invitation into a relationship with Jesus. But it's amazing that people will constantly have questions. You know, you know, people will ask one another in the street, so to speak. They find out another believer. They will say, well, which church do you go to? Well, what church do you go to? What, do you, what, what does your church believe? I'll have even have people, like most ministers, I'm sure, come up to you and say, Pastor, what, is, what do we believe? What do we believe? It, it's a funny question to me because do you know that we can't believe anything? Only you can believe something. And I can believe something. We can't believe anything. You see, believing is a very personal thing that happens inside of your heart. And we teach this in discipleship group. You, only you know what you believe. I can tell you what the, the doctrines of our church are, and we can lay it out in a D group, etc., etc. But we can't believe something. 
But you see, these questions, when we, when we think that we have got this, we're trying to introduce people into a, into a, into a church. Now, a, a church, a local church, is a method. Yes, this is a, this is a place where discipleship happens, and this is where we get together, and this is where we grow together, as I said, on our journey, right? But, but it's, not about, it's not about trying to introduce people just to Lake Haven. The whole call, the whole call, as you'll see, the rallying call that we have in Christ is to introduce people into a relationship with Jesus, whether they ever walk in through the door of Lake Haven or not, whether they ever give a tithe or not. We're not calling people to, to now, now some people, and we'll touch on this at some stage, it's easy to invite somebody to a church. Say, hey, come along with me to church. In fact, you know that most people are saved that way, by far. If I had to ask across you, how many of you were born again and because somebody invited you to church, they say about 70 to 80% of people in America were introduced to Jesus, not on the street or in Walmart or whatever, but because somebody, a neighbor, a friend, or whatever, a family member invited them to church and in the church. So, but, but, you see, but you see, the church... The church, this building here, the local church, th this, is, this is not um, an outreach center. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to qualify myself. It can be used as an outreach center. It can reach people, but it is not the purpose of the local church. <laughs> the purpose of the local church is to make disciples. The church of the local, the, the purpose of the local church is to train us to do the work of the ministry. That is what we are. But you know that ministry should happen, as we know, all over the place. Here, yes, it happens. But I tell you what, it doesn't happen for an hour and a half, you know, tick, 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 and then church is over. What do you mean church is over? <laughs> it's like church doesn't get over. Now, I know what you mean. But those colloquialisms, those, that language puts us in a, in a place where we think that church is on and off, you know. Church doesn't go on and off. The church is the body of Christ, and we call people into a koinonia, into a relationship, into a fellowship with Jesus Christ, into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's important, I believe, to, to, really, to really understand that. So, um, as I said, that's a very personal thing. It's a heart thing, and... and, and, and I'm not going to go into the, the whole hard thing, but not at this stage. But the rallying call, this, this particular message, I wanted to touch a, a, a little bit before I introduce Nate to you um, on, on what the cause of Christ is. What the cause of the kingdom is. What is this purpose? Um, what is the, if, if we don't find the exact purpose, now somebody was telling me they were watching The Matrix last night. Apparently it was on TV. I love that movie, The Matrix. I think it's got a lot of spiritual connotations one can extract from it. It's not a Christian movie. It's not a bad movie, but it's not. But I think it's got so many. But but there's a phrase that I think Morpheus says, and he's because he's you know um, he's wondering what is the Matrix, and and Morpheus is talking to Neo, and he says, you've you've been asking yourself what the Matrix is. So this is a little bit of a pop culture reference, right? And he says. He says, it's like a splinter in your mind. Something has been bothering you. I believe that every believer, every believer has that splinter in his mind, that little burr under his saddle 
that is calling him to a grander purpose. He feels it. He senses it. He or she is always wondering. And, and, I mean, no matter what they pursue, if it is the American dream, if it is money, if it is fame and fortune, if it is, a, is, is showcasing an amazing talent, say you're a phenomenal sports player or a, a phenomenal artist of some sorts and, and these beautiful gifts, and that's your sole purpose in life, and then you reach this place where you start kind of like, well, is this really it? Is this really what it's all about? And then, and then that often leads to all kinds of, of, of depression inside a, in a believer because I know I hit the wall. You know, legalism is a terrible, terrible thing. And I sort of hit that wall where I was trying to please God. And, 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 and when you get to that place where you think you've done it all and you still have that splinter in your mind, you've got that burr under your saddle and you're kind of like, what is, is this all it's about, trying to please God? I've done this, I've, I've gone to church every day, I'm, you know, I'm praying as much as I know, I'm reading my Bible, I'm even serving in the church and paying my tithes, but, but there's something that's just not, it's just, there's something there. You see, you, you were never called into doing something, you were called into believing something. When, remember Jesus was asked, what must I do to do the works God requires? And he said, he answered this, to believe in the one he has sent. You see, like somebody coined the phrase, we aren't human doings, we're human beings. We aren't, but, but when we, so when, I, when you're in that trap of, of legalism that think that you have to, you have to achieve or earn or, or you, you, there's a lot of things in life that just don't make sense. There's this splinter in your mind, but the cause of Christ brings it into focus. The purpose of Christ brings it into focus. Of course, the famous scripture, you know, well, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When Carolyn was here a, a little while ago, when, when you get to lay down your life, that's when you truly find it. Remember Jesus said that? You want to really find, and, and, and kingdom cause is that place where you say, Lord, I am surrendering to your purpose. I'm going to truly surrender to your purpose. I'm not going to live for the weekend. I'm not going to live for the paycheck. I'm not going to live for the vacations. I'm not going to live for retirement. But I'm going to live for you. I'm going to find my focus in you. I'm going to find, give me that purpose of what I have been built for. You know, th this, there's this old saying, remember, you, you've heard about the chicken and the pig. It's an old business thing that they used to say, you know, about it. bacon and eggs is one of those things that a chicken gets to be involved with the process, but the pig gets to be fully committed, <laughs> right? You know, what, what, what the chicken gets to contribute is just a daily, a daily occurrence for the chicken, but what the pig has to do is being fully <laughs> fully committed but but finding in 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 this beautiful call that we have in this beautiful thing in finding your 
purpose. You know, when we were doing crusades, and I, I have to tell the story quickly, but, but in, in finding kingdom purpose, when you are built for that, we had this generator. We were in southern Malawi doing a crusade in some refugee camps. And this thing was a, was a three-cylinder Lombardini. It, it was like a 27-kilowatt energy unit and we used to power the whole crusade field so we had because when we where we went there were there was no electricity it's just one of those places you were you you brought your electricity with you and you had you could find gas or diesel and this was a diesel and you know you so you would run it and 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 so we had done we'd done a series of crusades that place was terribly hot it was in the Sherry River, it, the Sherry River Valley, it was incredibly, incredibly hot. We saw tremendous signs and wonders. Man, it was like I had never seen signs. And the people that we, the refugees had fled out of war-torn Mozambique at the time. They, had come, they were very, very rural people. They had come in, and it was like a God strategy to reach all these people that had fled the jungles of Mozambique into Malawi just for a, into these refugee camps. There wasn't even any Bible in their language. There is now, but this was a long time ago. And, and so the, their what they had heard about God was hearsay. They even had a couple, one or two pastors I bumped into, and, and what they knew was they just didn't know much at all, but setting the tone. But, but man, we saw, we were doing crusades and they, they had these big, you know, there was 100,000 people in the one refugee camp and there was like 80 something thousand in the other. And so we, for, we, would, we, would hit, we were trying to do some of these, these refugee camps and man, people were coming and we, it was just incredible. One night, like 12 blind people were healed instantly and it was just like deaf people. It was just like, oh my God, because that kind of results we hadn't seen to that degree, it was like, man, God was, it was just so exciting to be involved at the time. And, and man, did we have trouble, long story, but not going to go into those right now. The, the point was, though, it was so, so hot. On the last night, after we finished the last night of the crusade, we were, we were flat out exhausted. And, and Ed, the evangelist that I worked for, he said, hey, Shannon, why don't we just start up the generator so we've got a bit of power tonight that we can run fans? And we're like, Hallelujah. That's a great idea. So we started up this big 27 kilowatt three-cylinder three diesel unit, and it was, and man, we had air—not air conditioning, just moving air—and it was just like, well, you never knew you could be so grateful for a fan. But believe me, you can be. And 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 so um, we ran fans all night, and we had a great night's sleep, and was thought we were going to head home the next day, and and uh, a long, long, long road home. Uh, from where we were. But in any case, next morning we wake up and that around our generator, there was an oil pattern for about 12 feet. Not a good sign. Not a good sign. And what I came to learn by experience, a very expensive experience, was that a diesel generator that needed to be run that had a 27 kilowatt power needs to be run at almost 80 percent of its power it needs a draw on it if you run a few hundred watts off it it's not designed that way it has to have a load on it and so we basically killed that generator that night and that was an expensive generator we had air that was fun for the night and, and we're really grateful but you know that, that that generator wasn't designed to run that way. It wasn't designed to run that way. And so it, it was abused. It was not used in the correct way. It was abnormally 
used. And, and it's kind of like, you know, I've, I, yesterday I was driving the car around here and there seems to be like a Corvette club, all these snazzy Corvettes around here, you know. And I had the minivan, because Corin's got the car. <laughs> you know, I've got, I've got the seven passenger minivan. And I thought to myself, well, I'd like to see you take five people up to Alabama and that, you know. <laughs> you know, you know, but, you know. He may be able to get there quicker, but I can sure travel more comfortable than he can with five people. But, but, but the truth is, you see, you know, you know, we're built for different purposes. Just because a vehicle moves doesn't mean some vehicles carry concrete and beams. Some are people movers and some carry things quickly. But if you don't use them for their purpose, if I took three tons of concrete and poured it into that Corvette, wouldn't do very well because it's not designed to carry that thing. You see, you and I are designed for a purpose. You, you and I are designed. And when you find this purpose that I'm talking about, it's like putting on a glove that fits snugly. It fits snugly. It doesn't feel weird. It gives you that, ah, yes, this is what I'm made for. That's what I'm made for. So finding the purpose of our God, when God says these words in Matthew 6, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's telling you, listen guys, put these priorities first because that's where you're going to find abundant life. And you will. Kingdom, we know, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But, but you see, when we say, no, 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 I'm going to put that off because God really doesn't know what he, Jesus didn't really mean that. He doesn't know what he's talking. I'm going to first work at my retirement, slash American dream, slash holiday house number three, slash whatever it is. Then I'm going to XXX, whatever it is. You see, when we, when we don't, do things the way God asks to be done, we're, we're, we're running out of our purpose. That's why we have the splinter in our mind saying, this is not right, this is not right, this is something's off. Because we're not part of the purpose. We're not finding our purpose. So the very first thing is understand that when you find your purpose in God, it's a good thing. It's a snug thing. It's not a difficult thing. Just like a Corvette is flying and eating up the road when he's traveling at 100 and whatever miles down the road, he's like, this is my thing, baby. I'm going for it. That's what the Corvette is built for, right? Or when you've got five people in a minivan off to Alabama, whatever it is, there is, there is that sweet spot of what of that purpose is, amen? So find, understand, this, this is not a difficult thing. This is helping find your spot your sweet spot. I'm not a golfer, but I'm told, however you do it, I would look terrible. But you can hit a golf ball and they say there's a sweet spot. And when you hit that sweet spot, it's like that golf ball just goes where it's supposed to go. It doesn't fly off the end. Or even with it, I know that it's, it's with a lot of things with balls, there's a sweet spot, right? And it just like travels further, it's on target. Well, this is finding your sweet spot. So surrender, my, my first recommendation 
is in the advice of God, is surrender to the purpose of, the, of kingdom purpose. Understand that when, when you find this place, it's going to be a good thing. Amen. Amen. So um, we, we're, we're gonna, I, I'm going to carry on with, with, with part of the, obviously because it's a series, we'll carry on part of it. Um, but I, I wanted you to just get a feel for where we're going with this because, as I said, when you hear the heartbeat of Nate here as we're about to play this video, um, Nate is going to do a, uh, a, what we're calling the eyewitness workshop, and that's going to be the Friday night, the 18th, and then it's going to be for an hour and a half or so, probably start at 6.30 on the 18th, diarize that highly recommend he's going to do an eight an hour and a half on the 18th he's we're going to do a practical day on saturday so it'll start off kick off with a two-hour session here at the church on saturday morning there will be practical um for the day and then in the evening we'll, we'll say late afternoon probably four-ish or so we'll get back to the church and we're going to share stories and so nate is going to equip us teach us and we're all going to be far better equipped to ha in, in sharing the gospel. And you'll, as you'll hear, it's going to be completely natural. I promise you. It's not going to be weird. You're not going to be yelling at people from street corners. It's going to be finding your God purpose in this because you have a unique spot to play, but there is a place to play. So in any case, let's listen. To, uh, let's watch this video from Nate. Good morning, Lake Haven. Good morning, Lake Haven. My name is Nate Tanner, and I'm excited and just honored to be with you this morning. I'm good friends with your amazing pastors, Shannon and Corin Carroll, and it's just an honor and a privilege to be able to share from my life and ministry and what God's doing around the world. In just a few weeks, we're going to be in your church, September 18th, 19th, and 20th, and we're going to be holding a three-day training seminar to help activate you in the power of God to not only share the gospel, but demonstrate the gospel. Now, before you turn this off and say, hey, this is evangelism, I'm not an evangelist, I would just encourage you to give it a try, um, because my life is, is built around the truth that every believer is called to be a witness, and every believer is called to make disciples. And so I really want to help you. I want to give you tools, things that I've learned over 20 plus years of ministry, um, tools that will make sharing Jesus Christ and operating in power easy because evangelism and missions and outreach, it's not for just a select few. That's, it's really the heartbeat of biblical Christianity. And so September 18th, 19th, and 20th, we're going to do a very hands-on and practical seminar. Um, we're gonna, you're going to learn how to share the gospel, what it is, how to communicate it freely, how to share your testimony, um, how to actually pray for people in the street to be healed of different sickness and, and pain, but to do it in a very practical, non-threatening, relational way. Because if, if, my motto is, if you can't do it in Walmart, if you can't do it in the streets, then it's, it's, it's probably not the gospel. Because Jesus, the gospel ministry, it's not supposed to be weird. It's supposed to be natural. So come out, be a part of that. Help get equipped to reach not only Eustace, but your nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So 
Today, I get the honor and privilege of teaching you guys, and uh, I'm actually broadcasting this from our, our shop in the background. I've got some freshly put up shiplap, um, and we're developing a training center here in Kansas City to help equip people from around the nation and the world to hear the gospel. And so my, uh, my kids were sleeping in, and I knew if I was trying to shoot this from inside the house today, they would wake up and they would come running through the house. So if you could see it, there's actually a... Uh, um, there's a table saw off here to my left. There's a chop saw off here to my right. Uh, I have my Bible propped up on a piece of sheetrock, but we're going to get into the word today. Um, so as I said, my name's Nate Tanner. My wife and I lead a ministry called L3 International. Um, the L3 stands for the least, the lost, and the last. And we're passionate about bringing Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, and also just practical help to the nations of the world. We've been working in places like East Africa for nearly 10 years now. We've been working over in Asia for several years and we help equip believers. We preach the gospel and then we do just radical acts of compassion like our orphanage project in Zambia. But today I wanna to share with you guys something that's really been burning on my heart for several months now. And, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to really see that we are in desperate times in the nation. Um, there has, uh, in my lifetime at least, and in everyone else that I talked with that's older than me, they can't remember a time where there was so much chaos and uncertainty and confusion and hopelessness as the times we are living in today. And so I believe more than, more than possibly any time in, 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 uh, in recent history, it is vital that the church of Jesus Christ know what it means to be a Christ follower so that we can make other Christ followers. The world is depending on us. And one thing I've learned, and, and statistics confirm this, and uh, I recently read a statistic that over 90% of people that become followers of Jesus Christ and end up in a church, they do it because of the direct result of a family, uh, family member or loved one sharing Jesus with them. It's not professional preachers, it's not TV evangelists, it's not even local pastors that get the awesome responsibility to reach and disciple people. It's believers like you and me, people that are just going about life, uh, nine to five jobs, but have met Jesus and wanna share him with other people. You know, in Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 33, there's a very familiar scripture, and it's talking about this, this one group um, within the children of Issachar, or the tribe of Issachar in, the, in the, the, Jewish, the Jewish tribes. And it says, there was the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times and knew what Israel ought to do. You see, these, these people, this group of men, they had unique perspective. They knew that what God, they knew, they, they knew what God was calling them to do by looking at and reading the signs of the times. They had a unique perspective that the other people in Israel didn't have. And I think that goes right along with what Jesus said. He said, when it's evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. 
No, in the times we are living in, there is a shaking going on. There is a polarity, and a polarity means that there is a dividing up of two groups. The, the ones that know Jesus are shining brighter, and the ones that are playing church are really falling by the wayside. You know, Jesus, and this is, this is not the message we're getting into, but Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, he said he gave us a, some very specific signs of the times that were going to precede his coming. And he said that these things were going to be like birth pains on a pregnant woman. And I just want to mention several of those things because I believe they are so key in what we are explaining or, or seeing take place in our nation today. And his disciples come to him in Matthew chapter 24, around verse 3 and 4, and they say, Lord, what are some of the signs that are going to precede your coming? And the first thing he says, he says, take heed that no one deceives you. Now, that word deceives, it means to cause to roam from a place of safety. And I would, I would say that there is widespread deception, deception happening in the world and then also in the body of Christ today. And so Jesus starts out this, this sermon, this explanation of the events that are going to precede his coming. And he says, make sure that no one deceives you. And then he talks about false Christs coming in his name saying, you know, I'm the Messiah. I'm the anointed one. Follow me. And then he talks about wars and rumors of wars. And uh, the rumors, I, that, to me, that speaks of the media and, and how the media can blow things out of proportion. So wars and rumors of wars. He talks about nation rising against nation. And that word nation is the word ethnos, where we get ethnicity or, or ethnic groups. And so he's saying that there is going to be racial wars going on before he comes. There's going to be um, famines, pestilence, earthquakes. He says that these are the beginning of sorrows. And then he says in verse 9, he says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now, up till now, we have seen since the birth of the church over 2,000 years ago, there has never stopped being persecution against true believers of Jesus Christ. It has, it happened from day one and it has never stopped. And fortunately here in America, we have experienced very little persecution. But according to scripture, before the return of Jesus Christ, there is going to be such widespread hatred against God and God's people that it will be over the face of the whole earth. And so my, my encouragement and challenge to believers like you today is that if we're not prepared to live for Jesus Christ in the little things, in the daily trials and tests that we go through, we're not going to be ready to live for him when real persecution hits. And it's, it's already starting in places across America. You know, several years back, I got to minister in a Muslim nation, a Muslim that's uh, or a nation that's that was under uh, under. Uh, lots of restrictions and there was lots of persecution. And I can remember going into a church and when I walked through the doors of that church, after I was in and the other members were in, they locked and bolted the doors and then men stood, stood guard in the front with guns. And the reason was is because radical Muslims would strap bombs to themselves, go into the church acting like they were believers and detonate those bombs. That was a common occurrence in this nation. You know, 
On that same trip, I got to go to a hidden compound um, out in some remote neighborhood, and they, they brought me in through these gates, and all of a sudden, people started to, to come out of these, these rooms, and they, they came in hiding in secrecy because they were converting out of Islam to belief in Jesus Christ, and they were going to be baptized, um, but they had to do it under guard, under secrecy. You know, these things are happening to our brothers and sisters all over the world, and we're so very fortunate to not have experienced much of that here in America, but things are going to change. And, and Jesus said that there will be persecution in all nations. Verse 10, he goes on and he says, because of these things, many will be offended. And I don't believe that's just offense, people being offended at each other. But he says that there is going to be offense or be people getting offended at God when things are not turning out the way they expected them to be. When people uh, have this understanding that says God is sovereign, God is in control, whatever, whatever happens in the world is his will. Um, then when hardship comes, people get bitter and offended at God and they think that God let them down. But I, I want to tell you guys, according to the Bible, God has given us responsibility on planet Earth. And it's not God the one behind the evil, the chaos, the suffering. It's really man-made because we resisted God and his ways. And so don't get offended. When that time comes, don't get offended. He said that there'll be betrayal. People will betray one another. And then false prophets will bring deception. And in verse 12, it says, and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold. I don't, know about, I don't know about you guys, but we are seeing such extreme lawlessness in the world and here in America. And according to Jesus, these were all signs or birth pains that something else was coming. But there's hope. Verse 13, it says, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Now, I used to think that that was just, if I can just hold on till Jesus gets back, everything's going to be good and he's going to save me. But that word saved doesn't just mean to be rescued and brought to heaven. It means to be forgiven. It means to be healed physically. It means to be caused to prosper, to be given peace, to made whole. It's this word that includes all of God's promises for us. And, uh, and, and Jesus is saying, if you endure, if you hold tight to me, you are going to experience all these blessings, all these promises, even when the world is going into chaos and hardship. In verse 14, it says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Friends, we're living in a time where the gospel is going forth, reaching and impacting nations like it, it never has in 2,000 years of, of true Christianity. We are living in a time where the gospel is going forth, and it's going forth through believers. And you're a part of that mission. You're a part of God's heart for the world. Equip I want to help uh, help qualify you. You're qualified in Jesus, but I want to give you tools where ministry becomes easy. You know, Jesus warned us that these things were going to come, and so we're living in them now, and we shouldn't be taken by surprise. But this gives us hope that Jesus is true, that Jesus is real, that Jesus is for us, and that Jesus is going to ultimately rule this earth. But until he returns, you and I have a job to do, and it is to communicate and teach and minister this gospel of the kingdom to all nations. Now, I want to ask you today, what is the gospel of the kingdom? 
If you're like me, you've, you've grown up hearing about the gospel of salvation, you know, the gospel of heaven and hell. And, and we know gospel just means good news. It literally is good news that's nearly too good to be true. Um, it's not bad news about an angry, wrathful God that's going to send people to hell. It is the good news of the solution that Jesus Christ provided. But according to Jesus, before he returns, it's this good news of the kingdom that's going to be communicated. And I want to tell you guys today that the gospel is so much bigger than just heaven and hell, um, forgiveness of sins, even though forgiveness of sins is such, uh, it's, it's the heart of the gospel that we can be forgiven. But the gospel is the message of redemption. It's the message that we lost everything. We messed everything up. We, we caused all the pain, the confusion, and, and the hurt in this world. But it, it is the message that God, through Jesus Christ, is restoring things back to the way that it was originally created to be. And Jesus is the door into the kingdom, into redemption. If God is restoring things back, the kingdom of God, this realm where things are as it should be in my life, and ultimately it will one day be on planet earth, then Jesus is that doorway. And faith in Jesus and his finished work, it is the doorway that brings lost and hurting sinful people like you and me, like, before, like we were before Jesus, into that perfect relationship with Jesus Christ. So we have a message and it's the message of the kingdom and it affects every way we live. It's not just about heaven when we die. It is about entering the realm of God, that place where Jesus is not only savior, but he's Lord and learning how to live our lives here and now by God's principles. And I, I just am so thankful to God that we have the Holy Spirit to do that. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, it was December of 1996, and I was in a little, um, a, a little high school auditorium in northern Montana in the middle of winter. And folks from the community where I lived, two, two, uh, two hours from there, they would make this trip where things were happening, where churches were coming together and miracles were taking place and, and drug addicts were being set free and punk skateboarders like me were, were getting touched by the power of God. And so I came that, that night um, kind of unwillingly. My friends were going, and I, I remember sitting at the back of this auditorium where worship was taking place, and there was just a strong presence of God. And I remember sitting there with my arms crossed thinking, these guys are strange, these guys are weird. Yeah, I believe in God, but, but I really don't wanna follow him. I'm scared of him. He's gonna make me uh, give up my life and not have any fun anymore. And so as a teenage skateboarder, I was sitting in this back thinking, how can I get out of this place? And I'll never forget that night. I don't remember what was preached. I don't even remember if there was preaching. I don't think there was an altar call. I just remember that something shifted in my heart and I realized that what was taking place there was the answer I was looking for, that, that religion was not enough, that God was good, that God did love me, that God did call me to have a relationship with him. And so I stood up and I, I walked forward on my own to the front and as i just stood there in my heart saying jesus be my lord jesus be my lord the power of god came upon me and 
literally knocked me to the floor. And I didn't know what that was. I didn't have a grid for understanding a lot of these. I don't think that had ever happened to me before. But as I laid there on the floor, I could only explain it like it was, it was waves of God's liquid love that began to wash over me. It began to affect my heart. It began to change my mind. It began to give me a new perspective. And when I got up off the floor, Jesus was not only my savior, but he, is, he was my Lord. And, uh, and, and that shifted everything. Now, I think one of the weaknesses of the, the church here in America is that we separate Jesus from Savior from Jesus from Lord. And, uh, and that, that, is, that, that, that really breeds weak and confused Christians because Jesus not only wants to be Savior, the one who saves you, sets you free, gives you righteousness, but he wants to be your Lord and Savior. And that's an exciting life. This, this life of Jesus being your Lord is the most exciting life you will ever live. Uh, to be able to wake up and say, Lord, I wanna hear your voice. I wanna respond is the most exciting life that, that, that's out there. But it really starts with, with Jesus being Lord of your life. And so the gospel of the kingdom, this message that we are, we are called to bring to the world, it is, it, it, it is the message that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of my life. He's the Lord of your life. He's the Lord of planet earth. And one day he will rule and he will reign on this earth. And what we've got to understand is, is that this, this message, this, 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 uh, this power that God has given to us, it is not from us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus gave these remarkable words before he went up to the Father, before uh, you know, some of his last words on planet Earth, before uh, the Father took him up before the very eyes of the disciples. He said, he said these words, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that word power, it's, it's the word dunamis or where we also get our word dynamite, but it's also, it literally means in the original language, dynamic ability. You will receive dynamic ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that dynamic ability is so that you can be a witness to Jesus. And Jesus said, you're gonna be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, what's significant about that? They were in Jerusalem. He's saying that you are going to minister here locally in Jerusalem. And then he said that you're gonna minister in Judea. You're gonna minister out of your region, out of your state, out of your confines. Then he said, you're gonna minister in Samaria. And Samaria was, was a place within the Jewish culture where, where it, was, it was almost where the overlooked and forgotten people, they were an overlooked, rejected race of people. And so Jesus is saying, don't forget the overlooked ones. Don't forget the least, the lost and the last that are in your midst. And then he said that you're gonna be a witness to the ends of the earth. So the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit upon us. Now, when you're born again, the Spirit comes in you. You become a new creation. You are righteous, you have the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit upon you is when what's in here flows out. And that's for touching the world. That's not just to pray in tongues or prophesy or, or dance. Uh, no matter how good these things are, how, 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 no matter how scriptural they are, it's so that you will receive dynamic ability to be a witness. Now, a witness is someone that brings forth evidence, and it's also someone that has firsthand experience, that's experienced something that they're talking about. 
That's you and me. We've experienced firsthand the power of God. And a witness in Bible times actually comes from the, the, the word where we get our word martyr. It was someone that was literally willing to die for their faith. And, you know, we can learn a lot by looking at the way the early church did it. And I'm going to spend the, 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 the remainder of our time together this morning looking at a few of the, um, the keys that really made the early church successful. Because I, I believe it's wrong to think that the early church had it all together. They didn't have everything figured out. In fact, in Galatians chapter 1, Paul and Peter, they had a standoff and Paul rebuked Peter for acting like a hypocrite when it came to the Jewish law. So these guys didn't have it all figured out. They were, they were learning. They were, they were learning what it meant to be a Christ follower. They were coming out of Judaism into a new and better covenant. But, but they, had, they all had one thing in common. They had surrendered their lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior. They had entrusted their lives to him. He was their Messiah. He was the one they had been expecting. And, you know, history tells us that in 33 years after Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead, this band of ragtag men that we call the 12 apostles, the 12, and, uh, you know, one of them we know ended up killing himself and another took his place. Um, but these 12 apostles, together with a small band of believers, they turned the world upside down. These, these band of Jesus people in 33 years after the resurrection and, and, and Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came upon us, um, they took the gospel to the whole known world. They took this message on foot with no internet, no TV, no radio, no, no cars and, and speedboats. They took the gospel from Israel all around the Middle East, all around Southern Europe, all around Northern Africa, and even spread into places in Asia. These small men, and, and think about this, Thomas, one of the apostles, he took the gospel in those years after Jesus. He took the gospel to India, to Southern India, and there he was killed for preaching the gospel. And there's still churches that attribute them, them their, their, their founding to Thomas today in India. I've been to some of those areas. The apostle Andrew, after Jesus rose from the dead, he took the gospel all the way up into Russia, and there he died. Philip took the gospel across northern Africa, where he was martyred. Matthew was stabbed to death in Ethiopia, in, in, in Africa. These were men, normal men. Some of them were tax collectors. Some, many of them were fishermen. Um, one of them was even, even a religious zealot. And they took the gospel to all the known world. And for, for several hundred years after the birth of the church, the gospel continued to spread all the way up into the British Isles. Some, um, some history books say that Paul actually, they think he possibly got as far as, as, um, as the British Isles before he died in Rome, beheaded. These guys had a burning passion, and it wasn't motivated by fear. It wasn't motivated by guilt, by condemnation. It wasn't obligation. It was love. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, it's the love of God that compels me. So everything Paul did, he did because he was motivated by that love of God. And when we, when we, when we tap into the unconditional love of God, man, we will go further, we will go farther, we will do more, potentially even suffer more, and we won't even see it as a cost. We won't even see it as suffering. It is just our passion 
to communicate Jesus Christ to others. Now, the gospel continued to grow until about 313 AD, where an emperor named Constantine legalized Christianity and actually made it the state religion. And from that point on, things slowly became tame. They became safe. There was benefits for being a Christian um, because it was the state religion. And so people just converted to Christianity because of what they can get. But there was no heartfelt conversion. They weren't disciples of Jesus Christ. They weren't following Jesus out of passion. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to follow in the steps of the early church. I want to look at what they did and do likewise. And I, I, want, to, I want to tie things up with a story from Acts chapter 3 and 4 today. And, 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 and then give you guys what I believe are three keys to the success of the early church. And what made them an unstoppable force in a very evil um, and perverse Roman culture, a culture that, that exalted everything that was evil and it, it scorned and laughed at everything that was moral and good, a culture that killed Jews and Christians and, um, and you know, just a real wicked culture, uh, much like what we're living in today. And if this band of believers could turn the world upside down, man, we can do it too. So in Acts chapter three, there's a familiar story. Um, in fact, one of the one of my kids' favorite bedtime stories when they were younger. And it's about Peter and John going up to the temple to pray at the time of prayer. And it says that there was a certain man that was lame from his mother's womb, that every day he was carried and he was laid daily at the gate of the temple, which was called Beautiful. And the man would ask for, for money or for alms from those that entered the temple. Now, you've got to understand, under, under Jewish law and Jewish culture, this man was, he was an outcast. Most Jews would, would interpret his, his situation being crippled from birth as either his sin or his parents' sin or God's displeasure or God's judgment. And so this man was, would not have been allowed to go into the temple. And so can you imagine being this man every day, you sit at the gate and you beg for money, but you've never been allowed into that place where God dwells. And so I'm sure that this man had very low self-worth. He probably saw himself as, as a worse sinner than everyone else. He probably saw himself as, uh, as rejected by God. You know, why would God accept me? I can't even go into the place where God is. And so he probably, he probably uh, you know, didn't have a lot of faith in God. But Peter and John, it says, it says that the man looked at Peter and John as they went into the temple and asked for money. And I love the, these verses in Acts chapter three, verse four. It says that Peter fixed his eyes on the man and he said, look at us. Now I found that, I find that so profound because most of us say, if someone comes for prayer, we say, now don't look at us, look at Jesus. <laughs> and I, I understand we're just wanting to be humble and say that the, the power's from God, but Peter and John understood the power of God living on the inside of them. They understood what they were carrying in them. And so they, they said, look at us. And the man fixed his eyes on them. And I, I remember T.L. Osborne, who was a, an incredible influencer in my wife and, and my life, T.L. would say, if you can get to me, you can get to God. Now, that, that isn't a matter of being arrogant and proud. It's a matter of understanding your identity, understanding who you are and what you carry. And for T.L., it meant that if you can get to me, I'm carrying your healing. I'm carrying your miracle. I'm carrying uh, the gospel of salvation. What you need, I've got. 
It's Jesus. And I think we can have that same boldness where we can say, look at us. If you can get to me, you can get to God. I'm carrying what you need. I have the solution. It's Jesus. I found something that works. And so Peter looks at him. The man looks at Peter, gives him his full attention, receive, expecting to receive something. And Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And nothing happened until Peter took the man by the hand and lifted him up. And that moment that there was faith, the word of God, the power of God connected to that man's faith because he had to allow himself to be pulled up. Something took place and life came into those little stubs, those, those man's legs that had been deformed from birth. And I've traveled the nations. I've seen people that have never walked before. The power of God came into that man and he stood to his feet and began to, he began to walk. We've seen this happen over and over again when the power of God is present in the gospel. We've seen cripples get up and walk. These things still happen. And so this man stands to his feet and he follows Peter and John into the temple. And as you can imagine, a big crowd comes together because they see this man that they had passed every day out, out, in, front of, out in front of the gates to the temple. And they wonder what is going on? What is happening? Now, God is, this, this, is only, this can only be God. And so they see this man walking and leaping and praising God. And Peter stands up. And you gotta remember, this is Peter that was an, an arrogant hothead that, uh, you know, he had brought a, a sword on Jesus's last, last night on earth and sliced some guy's ear off. This is, this is a radical hothead Peter. And he gets up and for the second time now, the first is Acts chapter two, he preaches the gospel. He preaches about Jesus, the Messiah. And it says that as a result, several thousand people come to Jesus Christ. This shook Israel, this shook Jerusalem. It shook the people there. And it also got uh, it, it, the, the Jewish leaders, it, they, took, they took note of this. And so it says in chapter four that they actually sent soldiers to take Peter and John into custody. And they begin to interrogate them. And they say, you know, who gave you authority to do this in your name? And, and you know, there's, there's the man that couldn't walk. I mean, that's a testimony in itself. But who gave you the right? And they, they threaten them. And, and Peter takes this as an opportunity being put, put, on, put on trial but between, before all the religious and political leaders there in Jerusalem. And he preaches the gospel of, again. And I love it. He says, he says to these religious leaders, there is salvation in no other name. There's no other name given to men by which they must be saved. And I love these verses, chapter four, verse 13. And it says that they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, and they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm untrained, I don't have a lot of education, but I've been with Jesus. And I'll tell you that people will come to someone who has a firsthand experience way quicker than they're gonna come to someone that just has a bunch of head knowledge or who's a trained speaker or a, uh, or, or a theologian. There's nothing wrong with those things. We need those things. But people are looking for someone that has, has firsthand experience of the details, someone that has been with Jesus. And so that's you and, that's, and I wanna help equip you. But 
they let Peter and John go, and then they, 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 they go back to their people, Peter and John do. And you know what they do? It says they pulled all their, their crew together. It doesn't say they had a strategy meeting. <laughs> it, didn't, it doesn't say that they had a planning meeting. It says that they had a prayer meeting. And prayer meetings back in those days were probably a lot different than what we're, we're, we're used to. And this is what they prayed. And here's those three points I want to give you. It says, this is how they prayed. Verse 29, 30, and 31 of Acts chapter 4. It says, Lord, look on these threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we would speak your word. Stretch out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then... When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You know, the first thing, the number, number one key that I see to the success of the early church and the boldness that they had is that they preached the word. They didn't preach philosophy. They didn't preach politics. They didn't preach their interpretation, their ideas. They preached the word and the word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Jesus is the living word. Everything in the Bible um, finds its, its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant Old Testament was a shadow of this new and better covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. And so what gave the, these, these men and women in the early church such boldness, such power, is that they shared and they communicated and they preached Jesus, the word, the gospel. They had a very simple message. And I, I think if we follow in the, their footsteps and preach the gospel message, communicate the gospel message, because a lot of you say I'm not a preacher, communicate it, share it, speak it. Um, give testimony, give witness. We're going to experience that power. The second thing that gave them such a, such impact, it says that they used the name. They said, Lord, let signs and wonders be done through your name. Now, what's significant about the name is that the name of Jesus carries everything that God is, God has, everything in the kingdom of heaven is tied to the name. Jesus said, you're gonna cast out demons in his name. Now, when I bought my first house about 16 years ago, I was not able to be in the country and this is before everything was done online. And so I actually gave my parents legal power of attorney, a document where they could make business transactions in my name because I was not there. And that's exactly what God did, what Jesus did. In my name, you will heal the sick. You are gonna use, he, what he's saying is you're gonna use my power, my ability, my name, my authority to extend the kingdom of God on the earth. We have the name of Jesus. And at that name, every knee will bow, every name will, every, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So they use the name. And the last thing is they were filled with the spirit. You gotta remember in Acts chapter two, they were, the spirit came upon them. But just two chapters, possibly a number of days or weeks later, it says that the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were filled and they were fresh. The Holy Spirit came. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just to be a one-time experience. Um, someone asked Billy Graham, why do you need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said these words, he says, because I leak. Now, I don't believe your spirit leaks. Your spirit is born again and sealed, but 
Oftentimes, we need to allow ourselves to be continually refreshed, be re- continually renewed by the Holy Spirit, where we allow what's in, our, our, what's in here to flow out. We need to live a life of allowing the Holy Spirit to live and to move and to flow through us. We can have all the right doctrine. We can know all the right grace doctrine. But if it's not tied to a relationship with the Holy Spirit, then we are going to miss out on what God has for us. So the book of Acts, it is such encouragement. Maybe you just want to go back and over these coming weeks, begin to work through it and to to see again fresh, ask God to give you fresh and new eyes. What motivated this band, band of men and women to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? Because man, friends, this world deserves a real and an authentic experience with God and with Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit. And the only way they're going to experience it is when you and I yield to God and say yes, and then step out of our boat, step out of our comfort zone and begin to preach the word of God boldly. Well, there you have it. That is just a a little a little bit, a little taste of some of the things we're going to be talking and explaining and going into greater detail uh, in September 18th, 19th, and 20th during uh, this, this exciting training there in Eustis at your church where I want to give you guys tools. So, you know, come out, be encouraged. Don't think this is just for you know, superhero Christians. Come and be a part of it. Come and be empowered to share Jesus Christ with your world. So I love you guys and I bless you guys and I hope you were touched today. Blessings. Amen. Amen. Cool. Well, I'm still in the dark here. Okay, so I'll have to ask, I'll have to ask my son back there to put the lights on. There you go. Thanks, Ethan. <laughs> so was that exciting? Okay. You know, get ready. How many of you are ready to, be, to have people say, look at, be that person can say, look at me. Look at me. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, we, we can, you know, Holy Spirit, remember Jesus, um, he just mentioned about the boldness of, Paul, of Peter. And he just said Peter had turned into this machine of boldness. He was able to point his finger at and he said, you crucified him. The boldness on Peter was all by the Holy Spirit because remember he was the same one that denied Jesus because the little maidservant said, you've been with Jesus. He said, no, I didn't. You know, so remember, boldness comes through the Holy Spirit. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, is most important. And if you aren't baptized with the Holy Spirit, please, this morning, don't leave. Don't leave without speaking to one of our prayer ministers up here. We would love to help, to coach you, to lead you into that, into that intimate relationship with Jesus and into a vibrant, full relationship with the Holy Spirit. Like he says, we don't leak. But to tell you what, you can stir yourself up in your most holy faith. You can build yourself up by praying in the Spirit. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you, pray in the Spirit. Especially in these this, this times that we are in. But, but, but be stirring yourself up in this month, particularly. Be praying for um, us because I tell you what, we are it. We are Jesus. We are the Jesus. We have His name. And so, man, that is exciting. Okay, well... Um, you'll see Nate in a couple of weeks. Don't forget the eyewitness workshop is going to be 18th, 19th, 20th. Please put it in your calendar so you don't get to, to miss that opportunity. Amen. Um, so we're going to pray now. And remember, if you are, if you don't know Jesus, please stay behind after the service, okay?
and um, especially and if you would like to 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 be filled with the spirit or if there's any other need to any other i don't even have to say that anymore if you have any need if you have any need at all please know that our prayer team are well equipped to pray with you if you're online and you're watching online the same goes for you you don't you may not be able to be here but just text the word prayer to 352-441-3016 and we will make sure that we call you and talk to you um, by phone amen let's pray father we thank you we thank you for the power of your holy spirit we thank you that this stuff is not stories of bygone years this is living powerful and active this is the way things are this is the way things are and they are going to stay we look forward to your return jesus we thank you that we are alive at such a time as this. And we thank you, Father, that every one of us surrender and yield to your power. We surrender and yield to your purpose that you have for each of us. Lord, I thank you for every gift of every person here. Every unique gift that is right here, young and old. Unique contributors to this beautiful body and purpose that we have thank you father we surrender to that in jesus name if you're one of those people right now that has an issue please like i said just make that determination in your heart just say you know what i'm going to go for prayer right now or after the service and we will help you do that thank you lord jesus in jesus name we thank you amen amen, amen.